Welcome back to the Highway to Health Podcast, and thanks for connecting with us again on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. In this edition of the podcast, you'll meet Dr. Monica Rowe, who is the team physician for the U.S. women's soccer team. Dr. Rowe is an expert in musculoskeletal medicine, and she will be talking to us about a variety of topics, including preventing injuries and strengthening the health of our bones. Dave Nemo will be your host for this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. And now it's time to hand it off to Dave for his feature interview with Dr. Monica Rowe. Dr. Rowe, good morning. Hi, thanks for having me, Dave. Oh, man, it's wonderful to talk with you. And we've had a short conversation here. We covered a lot of ground in that five-minute news break, and I appreciate you being here with us here this morning. I know you're busy. I wanted to ask you something, though, because I think a lot of folks want to hear a little bit more about your position there with the women's national soccer team. And I asked you off the air, I said, well, when you were a girl, instead, did you play soccer and things, or do you play soccer now? And you kind of said, no, not really. I mean, I played when I was a little girl, but I was not an accomplished soccer player by any stretch of the imagination, especially since my definition of that has changed dramatically since I've been fortunate to be around all these amazing athletes. So I did not play in college. I didn't play in high school, but I played recreationally as a kid. Always enjoyed the sport. It's been just a real joy and pleasure to be able to give proper health care towards the most amazing female athletes in what I think the world, really. I try to build parallels, if I can, in terms of relations to what you do and what the girls or the ladies do on the team and what drivers out on the road, the men and women in the road. And I'm thinking when it comes to soccer or trucking or anything, there's two kinds of ways to get hurt. Number one, you can break it. Or number two, you can just kind of wear it out. I would imagine the break it's kind of have the edge in soccer. Are they too young to wear stuff out at that point? (laughs) No, there's certainly a little bit of both, but I think you make a really nice correlation because I really do think of truck drivers as endurance athletes, right? I think sometimes some people might think truck drivers, you're sitting all day, but sitting all day requires a lot of core strength and endurance. It actually does require a lot of muscular stability, I think, to be able to endure all those hours in the cab and on the road with all that vibration. So I really do think that's a nice correlate because there is a lot of wear and tear that can go on as you and your audience probably is very keenly aware of. I think if there's a term for it, it might be subjective wear and tear in terms of what the road, and boy, the roads are just brutal now, as everybody will attest, but what the roads and the vehicle itself, wheel alignment, vibrations, just the normal sitting there. I guess it speeds up for other folks that are in there. We can all take a little bit of that, but these folks do it all day, every day. Right. And one of the things I tell my patients who aren't in trucks all day long, but are sitting in offices all day long as well, is that we have kind of joked about sitting being the new smoking in the healthcare mm, field, yeah, right? I've heard so that. We all know kind of the detriments to smoking in your overall health, but we also think that sitting long periods of time can also be somewhat harmful to people's body over long periods of time. So it is really important for people who are finding themselves in professions that have to sit for a long period of time to really take care of their body and really think about what they do as living as kind of an endurance sport, so to speak. And maybe this is a real stretch for a parallel, but a soccer player has certain concerns that a tennis player may not have or a swimmer may not have. So a truck driver is going to have certain concerns that you as a doctor may not have, me as a radio host may not have, but there are a lot of similarities. 
and there are ways to overcome the problems. Otherwise, we wouldn't have folks in trucks. Absolutely. And that's what we call kind of individualized medicine, right? I do know that sometimes people might just go online and just look up a couple of videos and do a couple stretches and think that that's what's going to be good for them. But really, when you think about if you're having a real big problem, just getting exercises off the internet that were really meant for a general population may not be 100% perfect and tailored for what you do every day. If you're having an issue with your back or your musculoskeletal system, and it's an individual problem based off of what you do every day, it is best to get individualized attention and individualized care for that. And you know we all do it, too. We all go to the web and go to YouTube right. and start watching these videos. And yeah, 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 no, yep. I hear that. Yeah. But then to carry that on into the real world, so to speak, when you go to see a doctor or a chiropractor, make sure you tell them exactly, not just that you're a truck driver, but how you drive, what the truck's like. Kind of really describe it so they can get a good picture of your day or night and what might be your problem. Because you may think you've got a back problem problem and you do, but it's caused by something else. Am I going down a good path right here? That happens all the time, actually. And actually, you bring up a great point because when you go see a healthcare professional, whether it's a PT or a doctor, whoever it may be, let them know exactly what it is you do. Because I think some people may not understand how long you're sitting, how long you're going, how many days in a row you're working without too much rest and what your day actually looks like, make sure that they know that so they can best kind of give you a treatment that best suited for you. Obviously, there are some limitations to the types of exercises that someone on the road can do, especially if you're on the road for a couple days straight versus just going on short trips back and forth. So I do think it's important to really be specific to your healthcare provider about what your day actually looks like. One of the things that we kind of went down the path of was the difference between breaking it and wearing it out. Thank you so much for that response on that. Let's go to the breaking it for truck drivers because there's something that drivers will do, and, and we hear it a lot. You'll drive for several hours, you stop, you open the door, and you jump out of that truck. That's a long yeah. jump for anybody at yeah. that point. Yeah. Obviously, what's going to take the first hit is your feet. And then, as Tim Ridley said earlier this morning on his program, the foot bone's connected to the ankle bone, the ankle bones. So when you do that, you're going to send a shockwave all the way up to your skull. Is there some general overall vision of what goes on there? Are you just shocking all of the compression joints to where you're just going, bang? And now they've got to try to recover, but they don't just spring back. Right. I think that's a great instance of like sudden impact and a sudden onset of pain the moment when you get out of a truck. But I will argue that if you hadn't been in that cabin for four hours in a row or eight hours in a row and then jumped out, it probably would feel better, right? Even though there is that wear and the wear and tear phenomenon and the breaking it phenomenon, those two things go hand in hand. It's because you've worn it down that when you have that moment where you jump out of the truck, it hurts more, right? What you need, an important thing to think about when you come out of that truck is shock absorption. Just like your truck needs shock absorption, you need some shock absorption as you land. Because you're right, if you just kind of jump out and just let your body fall wherever it falls, it is going to send this kind of impact all the way up through your body. But you have to really think about when you land out of that cabin, are your knees bent appropriately? Because we want our big muscle group to act as 
as shock absorbers. And when our big muscle groups act as shock absorbers, then our bones feel it less, then our discs in our back feel it less, then the other parts of our body feel it less because our muscles are absorbing that impact. And that's really the goal of our muscles in that scenario. Got it. If you do it right, those muscles and sinews of tendons, bones, they're going to react in a proper way. But the thing of it is, do you really want to go there in the first place? Exactly. You want to try to avoid it to begin with. So you certainly want to come out of your cabin without necessarily jumping and landing very hard. But if you have to jump, you definitely want to absorb that impact. There are some custom seats for truck drivers. You replace your standard OEM seat with one of these things, and they massage your legs. They have little airbags in it that constantly move around. There's some brand names for them. That would probably be a real good thing to get, but they're pretty expensive. So if you're sitting in a regular seat, you can't just sit there. you got to kind of keep the blood circulating. Do compression socks, do those help? And then are there some yeah. little sit-down things that you could do without endangering traffic and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think compression socks help enormously. If you think about even physicians who are surgeons and they're standing up all day in operating rooms, a lot of them will be wearing compression socks because of just what they have to do. So certainly if you're going to be sitting for a long periods of time, compression socks can be very helpful in terms of circulation and not letting all the blood and the lymphatic system pool in your legs. That's essentially what we're trying to avoid. Now, certainly one foot's always going to be on the gas, so that one's going to be hard to always move. But the foot that's not necessarily always on the gas, that foot, you can definitely do what I call just kind of calf pump. So you just raise your foot up and down and doing that intermittently throughout the day, I think can be really helpful just to get blood circulation going. I also think it's really important to think about just constantly shifting and adjusting. You don't want to put yourself in one position and never move. Your body naturally wants to shift and redistribute weight. Our bodies are really interesting because unconsciously we're always trying to shift and move. And you should allow your body to do that because that helps. It's almost like your body has its own sensor of when you're supposed to move to redistribute weight. So movement within your seat, I think, is really important. I also think the cushions, I think, are great in terms of shock absorption. And I'm certain there are probably varying levels of how expensive these things get. So certainly whatever kind of fits best at your own price range. But one of the most important things for when you sit is to make sure you have really good lumbar support. So when we sit, we don't want our back to curl especially if you're sitting for prolonged periods of time, because that will put the most pressure on the discs in our back. And usually when people have a lot of back pain, especially in jobs where they have a lot of vibration, those discs are the first thing to wear down. So that's something you want to protect. So lumbar support, which gives you a little bit of extension in the back so that you're not flexed forward or leaning forward. That's usually one of the best things we can do to be kind to our backs. Boy, you know what? I'm looking at that clock and we've got so much more to talk about, but I'm going to kind of switch gears just a little bit and kind of go back to the internet in a sense and talk about joint supplements. I've noticed on television, radio, kind of over the last couple of months, there seems to be a new push. There seems to be some better stuff out now all of a sudden. Am I reading wrong there? And what about joint supplements? Does that stuff really work? 
Yeah. So I think you're always going to find trends in these things. So I think maybe you're seeing a surge of a certain trend that might be coming up. I will tell you, there are some supplements out there for our joints that have some scientific data that actually help support it. One of the newer ones that scientifically has shown some promising things is actually glucosamine chondroitin is actually an older one that has been out there, but omega fatty acids Basically, it's like fish oil tablets that you can just buy over the counter at CVS or Walgreens or whatever pharmacy you use. Those types of fish oil, that actually is thought to be somewhat protective over joint health. There's a lot out there also about just foods that decrease inflammation. So there's actually been a lot of data on curcumin, which is the spice that a lot of people mm-hmm. see in Indian food. That can be an anti-inflammatory or turmeric is the other name for turmeric or curcumin. So some people think about that as being healthy for joints and decreasing inflammation. And then some people talk about tart cherry juice as just being a natural supplement to use to try to decrease inflammation. So there are a lot of anti-inflammatory type foods on the market out there that have been thought to help with joint health, overall joint health. So we want to decrease inflammation in our joints, and that's what helps protect and maintain joint health over time. Got another question here, and we can do this very quickly. It's almost like a bonus round question, Dr. Dr. Monica Rowe is with us. If you're just joining us, this program will repeat Saturday morning at 4 a.m. Central Time. But Dr. Rowe is the team physician for the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. She heads up the musculoskeletal medicine department at Shirley Ryan Ability Lab up in Chicago. Okay, bones and muscle. When you say, let's do a bicep curl with a dumbbell, I'm strengthening my biceps, obviously, maybe a little bit of the forearm. I've read lately that weight training also strengthens bones. Does it just strengthen the bone that would be attached to like the bicep? Or if you did a bicep curl, is it strengthening all of your bones or do we know? Yeah, I'm glad you bring up this point. So they have actually found that weight training helps lay down stronger bones. So people who are at risk for osteoporosis, which is when you get brittle or bones over mm-hmm. time, one of the things that they tell people to do is body weight supported training. So usually what they're talking about is lower legs and lower extremities. But that being said, what happens is when you pick up a weight or if you are doing squats, for instance, what happens is as you're doing those exercises, your bone gets a little bit of impact because of the added weight that you're using. What it does is it triggers a response to lay down more bone, and that's what makes our bone stronger. So any bone that takes the impact of the weight will end up getting stronger. It's more of a focus in the lower extremities versus the upper extremities. But again, it's because we walk on our legs and we don't walk on our hands. (laughs) So you want more of that bone strength to kind of occur in your legs and your pelvis and your back versus your upper arm bones. And I got one more quick question that someone asked me to ask you. Everybody knows, and I do it every day, walking, 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 best exercise ever. But I've seen people walking with those ankle weights on, and I have read that Mm -hmm. you do not want to do that. Is that correct? I think various people who have different goals might want to do that for different reasons, but I don't think it's necessary. In terms of getting the health benefits of walking, you will get health benefit from walking, whether you put those ankle weights on or not. So certainly, I think when you see people moving around with them, they might have different goals of what they're trying to accomplish. But for the average person who is just trying to get out there and walk to get their cardiovascular system going and just to be mobile and doing something active, then I think that it's not necessary to wear them. Dr. Rowe, thanks so much for being with us here this morning. Really appreciate the insight and the conversation. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. That closes out this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Now, folks, you can always find the Highway to Health Podcast through Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. And let's tell you about a few of the outlets where the podcast is available. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Highway Health Podcast through our website. Or you can subscribe to the podcast through all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. The Highway to Health Podcast is a production of Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo.